The first follower is what transforms a lone nut into a leader. It's it's <laughs> pulling about 90% of the weight right now. Just so. say it then. <laughs> what are you holding back? The procrastinator's brain also has an instant gratification monkey. This baby hits 88 miles per hour. To generate the 1.21 see some serious shit. It's going to be the Nate Marie, the Nate Marie method or Nate. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the mic. This January, I'm doing sober January and trying not to drink coffee during the weeks. And I anticipated that I'd feel like I'd have a, a bountiful amount of energy. And yeah, it's not quite happened. I'm still kind of like dragging during the middle of the day. And I'm just kind of wondering when that's going to change. So the, the alcohol part was just one of the variables. It sounds like there, there are other things. There's work and, and stuff. Yeah, there's other things <laughs> affecting my mood. Do you do that every year? I try to do it once a year. Last year, I did it for, in January as well. Then I think the year before that, I missed. And, but I've done it in the past. How about you? Do you? Yeah, I don't even know if you drink. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I think since a couple of years ago, I kind of slowed down a little bit, just got into like fitness and health and nutrition quite a lot, tried to, and, and then just realized a lot of, a lot of health and fitness is just what you eat. So before that, I was killing myself in the gym, not really seeing any results. And then as soon as I started kind of tracking for a bit, I'm, I don't track them anymore any longer. Like exactly what I eat, but I was using my my fitness pal, the, the the app to kind of see how many like what what are my macronutrients and what am I putting in my body. And you realize there's a lot of a lot of things you don't really count. And as soon as you eliminate them, it makes a huge, huge impact. I've I've not really used my fitness pal. My my wife uses it quite a bit. I just started using Noom though. I've heard of Noom. Just, I think I saw a commercial one day and I thought I'd try it out. <laughs> it's it actually good? very, it, well, it's, it gets into like the psychology a lot more. So it's, it doesn't quite force you to choose foods based on macros, but it has everything based around caloric density. And so things with like low caloric density are foods you should eat more of like legumes and black beans and things like that. I think it kind of falls into the same, you know, chart or funnel that you might have in macros, uh, it's yeah. just kind of categorizes them a little bit differently, I guess, but it's good okay. to see you, man. Yeah. Likewise, here we are season, season two of the podcast. And I think we mentioned this briefly on the last episode of season one, we called it episode eight, uh, just before the holidays that we wanted to realize that we are doing, we're kind of going 20% into a lot of topics by a lot. I mean, five or six topics on each episode. Mm -hmm. And then we decided, I mean, for our, for the sake of our own clarity and people listening, we wanted to kind of pick, pick a single topic and try to discuss it as much as possible in the 50 or so minutes that we have together. And we thought that could be beneficial to both the audience and ourselves helps us research and get more clarity on the actual topic. And then also for the people listening, they can just look, look at, look at the title and see if that's, that's a fit for them. So like a couple of semi-productive people, I don't like to call myself productive because I feel like <laughs> I'm not, but we actually have a notion document that is charting out the next few weeks at the very least Yep. and certain topics. And I think we have one guest book booked and we have another that I have to follow up with, but yeah, every now and then I think we're going to try to bring someone in and, you know, have a threesome. So 
<laughs> basically yeah uh, yeah for for topics that we thought we actually would enjoy conversation with other people where we have like throughout our sort of creative journeys or otherwise have seen them having opinions or uh thought thought leaders in a certain field we're gonna we're gonna bring them on and uh, yeah so get excited we're not gonna announce them beforehand we might actually do a couple of days before to create some excitement but uh, you'll realize they're they're amazing guests i mean we definitely look up to them in those in those areas and topics so that should be good yeah i'm really looking forward to that so what are we talking about this week reza so there was one that i think we touched on quite a bit in the in the last eight episodes for this for the first season that we did and it was and we talked a lot about writing the reason this podcast started kind of one of the main reasons was us doing a writing fellowship together through on deck mm-hmm. and i guess there's a lot you can do and discuss about writing but one that i've heard a lot of people talking about it is coming up with ideas and mm-hmm. uh, inspirations for any creative output but writing is one how do you decide what's what's the right topic to talk about? How do you make it interesting? How do you make it unique and different, and not just repeating what others other people are other people are saying? Yeah. So that's that's when we thought we could we could kind of dive into. I personally don't think I know I know all about it, but I think it could be it could be very interesting, and uh, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it as well. Yeah, I think we've I think we both have explored this area quite a bit, even though you know. I know I have trouble coming up with ideas, but I've uh, learned a lot. I'm curious though. So are you writing anything in the moment right now? I am not actually. I'm not. So no, nothing like active, but that's actually one of the things I was going to, I was going to touch on is maybe, I don't know if this is the right moment. I was actually going to think, I was thinking about bringing it up towards the very end, but I don't have anything uh, at the moment that's that I'm planning to publish in the sort of next week or so. But mm-hmm. I have a lot of different, I guess, topics and ideas that are kind of brewing uh, in the background. Yeah. So I have, I kind of know what I'm going to eventually write about this. And going back to the sort of the slow burns and not, not, the, not the heavy lifts mm-hmm. idea that we went through during building a second brain, I think I'm trying to kind of write that article over the next six months or even a year. So every time an inspiration comes or I come across a, an informational piece, I add yeah. it to that article, add it to the outline. And uh, I don't necessarily write about it or elaborate. I just add it as a, as a pointer and then go and explore it. I mean, recently what I wrote uh, a piece about 12, my 12 favorite pop- problems, that actually, that article was a good example of that. So I, it was, when I started writing it, I had the full outline, I had the ideas and it would just, it just ended up becoming, becoming that piece. So nothing at the moment. So you have a topic that you're writing about and would you, when you are reading things, are you saying that you're coming up with when you find, when you come across an idea that you're going to like add that to that document. So is that kind of how you keep adding to it as you come across and uncover new insights? Is that how you approach it? Yeah. So I, I kind of classified into like active research and more passive research, things that really come to you as you're taking a shower or reading an article that's completely irrelevant to that, that topic. Yeah. And then it's kind of in the, in the back of your head. And as, as it comes up, it's, it helps a lot if you have sort of a master document or master topic list that you can have sort of a bird's eye view yeah. into those topics because they kind of start adding up as well. For sure. So right now, I, I'm looking at it right now. I have like 10 or 20 that are going and sometimes I forget about them, but it's good to kind of create that in your subconscious. So again, like when you're not actively researching about it, 
they come come to you. So I go in in Rome research and kind of add that as a, as a block under under that article. So it's kind of it's kind of a work in progress always, right? And when you start, right. I mean, when when you start writing an article, for me, this is one of the things I've been learning from other people who are kind of experts in the field. It's never you never start from scratch. It's never it's yeah. never a blank canvas. You have done your research progressively. You have a bunch of ingredients that you can you can work with. Yep. And then you either add to it or remove from it, depending on how much you've gathered by then. Right. So, and I think we can kind of dive into that a little later, but coming back to this idea of like idea generation and, you know, I've been, we both have note-taking systems and I think we're both probably good note takers. I think idea, you kind of hit on it a little bit, but like idea generation is not necessarily a passive thing that happens. Mm-hmm. And I know Ann Lore talks a lot about the science behind how you need to be actively chasing ideas or actively blocking time so that mm-hmm. you have the time and the mindset to think about new ideas. And so while you can have them in the shower, your mind goes into a different type of state. And so I think there's an ability for your mind to sort of generate ideas like that. But I think when you're thinking about writing or if you are wanting to explore a topic, finding time to note make, I think is sort of what she was talking about a little bit was the idea of like putting things in your own words. And so when you're reading an article or when you're thinking about something like actually writing down in your own words, what that means to you, that's going to stick around a little bit longer, but it's also going to get your mind to Mm -hmm. understand a concept a little bit more clearly, which will lead you into a better understanding of a, of a domain or a topic. And then that will give you more insight, more ideas. And I think it's a little bit more of a forcing function. James Altucher talks about this a lot too, where he says, even though he's talking about business ideas, he writes 10, bi- 10 ideas per day mm-hmm. in like mm-hmm. a little notepad. And the whole idea is that you're exercising a muscle to continue to generate and think about ideas. Because if you're not actively doing that, it's your, that muscle is just, you know, atrophying in a way. Interesting. So I think what you remind me of was, so, you know, there are different layers of summarizing what you consume as well. And then there's, there's, I mean, what Tiago mentioned during building a second brain, one is highlighting, which a lot of people do. And I was actively doing before doing that, taking that course as well. And then thinking by highlighting and putting it in my, in my second brain, whatever that is, Notion, Rome Research, Evernote, I'm actually, I'm actually the owner of those highlights, which is nice. You can always go back and research. But to your point, you are basically talking about another layer of summarizing, summarizing that as well, right? In your own words. And then through that, you're actually going through a process of thinking what that means, not just highlighting what the person has said. Yeah, exactly. And I think that kind of goes back to the Zettelkasten method of note-taking. It's, it's as you read, you are highlighting and then quickly summarizing that in your own words so that it sticks around. You you know, I think like Richard Feynman talked a lot about, we have language to communicate ideas. And so we have nomenclature to say, oh, that's this type of bird, or here's the English word for this, you know, like, like something like a notebook, but those are just labels to help us communicate more easily. And what sometimes we don't know, like what, what type of bird, like, what does that bird like to eat? How does it like to 
uh, find food. And so we might label that bird, but we don't really truly understand like what the bird does or what that bird is about. We only know the name. And so I think he kind of talks a lot about like memorizing names or memorizing ideas are not fully understanding them. You have to sort of explore, Mm -hmm. take the name away, take that label away and explore deeper into that domain to truly understand the things that you're talking about. I think that sort of like unravels a concept or complexity to help you understand and, and kind of reveal insights and new ideas. That's super interesting. I don't think I've ever gone into that depth when it comes to my writing of kind of unpacking something else that I've consumed and then trying to write around that topic or something similar. So looking at your blog and the things you've written about, I can connect the dots in terms of where those ideas have come from, but I want to hear from you. How do you come up with topics? Do you just, do you have anything on the go right now? And how in advance do you plan what you're going to write about? So I have a couple of ideas in the burner. One, I'm close to finishing an article on, on finding your, or let me, let me think of the, the title. It's, it's fine tuning your, you know what? I can't remember, but it's about finding your niche and why that's not so important early on. Uh-huh. And, you know, a lot of people have written about this topic, so it's nothing new, but when you, for me, it's, I try to make things a little bit more personal. I try to find things that are, you know, I can pull from my past as a way to explore a topic. So for, yep. it, for this, you know, I was kind of landing on this metaphor. So I like bike riding, right. And I've, I've ridden a bike, you know, I've, I love long bike trips. I've built a bike up myself with a buddy. And so I know a little bit about like putting these together and there's mm-hmm. a process called truing, which is to help fix a wobbly tire, or if a tire is like misaligned, you can true it. And so based on my experience of understanding that, like, I, I think the story is going to work well because I can use that as a way to talk about finding a creative niche and how, mm-hmm. when you're just starting out writing, you are all over the place. You're all over the road. You're kind of the, yeah. this wobbly wheel. Right. And to fix it, you kind of have to like flip the bike over, tweak the spokes, tweak the tension of the spokes because they are misaligned. They're affecting the balance of the tire. And so you have to kind of like through trial and error, like test out all these spokes. And it's kind of like writing about a lot of ideas. You won't know which one's causing the problem until you Mm -hmm. sort of like go through this trial and error and write about these ideas. And so I think to me that stems from like past experience, which I think is a great resource for new ideas. It's, it's about taking what you know and then combining that with a, something that might seem common or a lot of people have written about like finding your niche and finding your own take on it. And, and Laura talks about idea sex and how you're taking two ideas that maybe are creating a metaphor or two ideas that are maybe just kind of unique enough that the article is going to have a little bit of a interesting tension or interesting contrast that nobody else has written about. So that, that's an example. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. So, and how, like on that note, how important is it for you, for what you'd write to be, to be one of, one of a kind, to be unique. And is that, I mean, you just mentioned this topic of finding a niche. A lot of people have written about, but you're actually adding your own take to it through your personal experience, which is something I was going to ask. I was going to talk about is David Prell talks about this quite a lot. You have to get out there, take walks, hang out with people, do things, and then write about those things. 
Yep. So, but, but like in terms of the topic itself, do you put a lot of importance on it being something that ne- no one has ever talked about before? Or, I mean, you talk about idea sex, so it could be two different ideas. People have talked about it. You kind of combine them and become this yeah. own thing. But yeah, how important is that for you? I think it's, I think it's important. I just don't think it's important for every piece that you do. Like I, mm. I'm still learning the ropes, I think in, in a lot of ways, and I'm still trying to like create this habit. So for me, it's about putting stuff out there constantly. And every once in a while, I'll have this idea that I feel is unique, you know? Yeah. And so I, that, that's part of the process. I do think quality matters. And, you know, we just listened to Steph Smith talk about this and I, I completely agree that quality is what makes people stop and turn around and take a second look or it's what pulls them in. And I think Mm. it's not about creating more noise, but I do think that you have to create noise sometimes to like build up that signal that you want to send out. Interesting. Okay. How about, how about you? What what do you think about the idea of, you know, having a novel idea versus just churning out noise? Cause I think there's a element of like feeling like you're just contributing to the noise you know, by forcing stuff out every week. And I, I know I feel that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you don't have anything in the works, but is that, be, do you have this driving force to create something of like high value? Is that what? Yeah. So like I kind of made a sort of a, I can call it a resolution or a goal to produce one piece every week in the new year. And that could be a podcast. I mean, we are doing ours. I just launched mine as well. So in the, like this last week was, was an episode of my podcast. The week before Congrats, was an article. Thank you. It's, it's not as good as this one, but it's <laughs> going to get there at some point. It's going to take some time. But yeah, so like I think that this week was more of, a, more of a conversational one. Next week is going to be an, an article that I haven't decided which one. That, that's why actually even coming into this, I hadn't thought about that, that mm-hmm. topic. So I'm going to pick one and kind of what well, I just mentioned. I'm going to go off of what I have as what I have already researched and put in there. But I think it goes back to the, to answer your question, it goes back to the goal of writing for you, right? Mm -hmm. Because looking at myself and as a bit of a background, I have been like, I think I mentioned this to you before, I've been sporadically writing since like 2012, started Mm -hmm. a blog on traveling because everyone is like, you have to have a niche and write about a specific topic, did that for a while, wrote about my travel experiences and then got bored by it. Honestly, it was just about one topic. And then went on medium around 2015 and published a bunch of articles there. And then more, more seriously, I've been writing over the last year. Uh, So like you said, still learning, learning the ropes, but my goal of writing is to, to, to be able to think and uh, think more clearly, right? Mm -hmm. Conversations help a lot. Like you and I are doing this big part of it for us is just being able to articulate what we think a lot more clearly, right? Mm-hmm. And this this conversation and then putting the pressure of actually recording and sharing it to everyone else makes it that much more important, I think, and yeah. much more focused. So for me, writing is is is, is kind of uh, a means uh, or a way for me to think. And it's okay if people don't read it, but at least I'm creating it. And hopefully by putting it out there, someone finds value. The 12 favorite problems was a good example. Two people reached out and said, this is awesome. I'm going to copy it and try to replicate it. So this is, this is nice to see, even if you are, you are touching only two people, others might've been touched as well, but they didn't let you know, but even, even that, even a single person is enough. And then going back to it being like, you ask about, does it matter if your ideas are one of a kind or not? I think 
again, goes back to the goal, right? If they are one of a kind, the chances of them going viral and then more people finding your work is, is important. But mm -hmm. at least for the stage of my writing, I don't think I cared about that that much. If it sure. does go viral and a lot of people find it valuable, that's a good sign that I've produced something that's of value to a lot of people, not just two people out of head of. But that, that comes secondary for me. But you, you bring up a good point though about, because this, this, okay, this brings me to this next topic of writing for the sake of just following a cadence mm -hmm. or writing for the sake of actually have something to say yeah. and bring value. Because I, I was talking about this with a good, good friend of mine yesterday. And so there is value in following a cadence, right? It brings this discipline of writing. And then we talked about this in season one that the more reps you put in, eventually you get better at it, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be the highest quality. You mentioned quality. Right. But then there's also something to be said about not creating more noise and yeah. creating something that is of value. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that creating value is, is what's going to separate you. But I, I personally feel like, you know, writing as a habit, it has to happen. Like I, I need mm -hmm. to do it weekly because I'm not going to get mm -hmm. any better. Even if you don't and publish so, it, right. Even if you don't hit publish. Absolutely. But there's a couple things at play. So the newsletter is a way to create a funnel for me to capture new readers through that newsletter and be able to connect with that audience. And that, I think drives people to my site. And so there's a, there's a selfish goal there for sure. And that's a weekly cadence that I don't want to let up on. And I see myself doing this for, I don't know how many years, but like, it's, it's going to continue. That is a little bit different from my long form writing, because I think that's where I want to treat that a little bit more carefully. I want to, mm -hmm. I want to, craft it, you know, more intently. I want to get feedback on it. And I think that is where I sort of put my, I don't know, I, you know, put like the love of the craft, I think goes into that long form writing. Mm -hmm. And my newsletter is, is a way to continue just working that muscle. You know, one thing that you said about generating ideas is just the writing itself. And mm -hmm. I think if less you're doing that, you're it's so difficult to have new ideas in, in the same way. So I think exploring a topic, being curious and actually just writing kind of like you said, even if you're not publishing, like that act alone is going to help you find new ideas. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. So not caring so much about the quality, but just like you said, just getting the reps in and then through that experience, you actually learn what's right, what's not right. I think yeah, it's I kind think of like you, you can have goals, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to have just one goal. It doesn't have to be, I want to create the mm. best mm -hmm. you know, pieces of writing out there. Like, you, I, like I have multiple goals. I want to build a habit, reach a larger audience, but I also yeah. want to write really great mm -hmm. articles, but those don't always like align with just trying to write great value all the time. You know, part of it is just, just, just building something um, for the long term, And that's the newsletter. Yeah. And I just, I just thought of two examples of people who, who are examples of like high volume publishers and they're great creators. So Andor yeah. is one that we've previously yeah. talked about. And I mean, some of her articles, I mean, you're putting a lot of, cause I'm kind of considering which, which side I want to focus more on. Right. Mm. I like the fact that you're spending a ton of time on creating what you mentioned, like this is your craft. 
yeah. and making sure you get as much feedback on it. So sort of your long essays, long, longer yeah. form essays, right? And then there are ones that would be helpful for people and help with your discoverability, which I think you mentioned you're kind of putting that in the newsletter. And then mm -hmm. I'm kind of, personally, I'm going to try to aim for both. I think there's just going to be like a lot less of the higher quality ones that yeah. are probably more unique and more of the things that I was just, I just sent out my newsletter and there was an article by Austin Cleon as well, mm -hmm. where he had, where he had listed hundred things that made him happy over the last year. Hmm. And then those hundred things weren't just things. They weren't just text. It, like pretty much 95% of the hundred were links to some of his other articles. So everything that oh, wow. he talked about, he had actually written about during the year on his blog. And some of them were like super short. They were like hundred words, hmm. but he had documented it on his blog and he, he linked to all of them on in that in that sort of listicle or that ag aggregate aggregated right. blog post which actually made me think about the same sort of format of writing where you don't really care so much about is everyone going to find this valuable mm -hmm. more so about maybe one person googles it and because it's the only i'm the only person talking about this concept they actually comes up first and they find it valuable hey do you know of the notion expert his name's k hi i believe yeah, you, for sure. Are you yeah. familiar? Is that how you pronounce his name? I think so. Yeah. So he was on, he was interviewed recently and I, and I watched it and there he talked a lot about, he just, he, instead of taking notes, he writes. So mm -hmm. if he's reading an article or reading a book, like he'll just have an idea about something and he just goes and tries to write a post about it. So instead of going through like the note taking process, that's his note taking process because as we were talking about early on, it's about, you know, putting things into your own words and that mm -hmm. sort of sticks. Yeah, And I found it yep. kind of interesting because he, he, he also talked a little bit about being able to write a lot helps you. And I don't know if I personally care about this or not, but he talks a little bit about like getting into the zeitgeist and getting into like what people are talking about yeah. and being able to take what conversations that are happening today combining them with some knowledge that you know, or some personal experience and mashing those together. But if you're able to churn that out on a daily basis or, or just a couple of times a week, you have a better chance at improving for one, understanding topics a little bit more clearly, building your own knowledge, but also getting these articles into, into a domain or topical, like in a way that people can point to those quickly. So mm -hmm. I think that's what his was a little bit more quantity over quality, but he's all also a great writer. So, I mean, I think it's just, he's improved over time and he himself will say, you know, when he quit his job in, in wall street and started his own thing, he was, I think he was 35 and he had hardly written at all. And so he, he was like, I had no idea what I was doing. And so this is him building his craft up from, from zero. Yeah. So I think, it's for people listening, it's, it shouldn't, you shouldn't be waiting to, to write. And in the sense that there's, there's stuff you're doing and writing will just help you clarify the steps you're taking to do those things. Because oftentimes as I'm starting to write about certain things that I think I know very well, I realize there's certain steps that I'm missing or things that I'm not understanding properly and then yeah. writing them and actually putting them down in words makes you, it's kind of like teaching you to someone else, right? You, yeah. as you're teaching it, you're like, ah, oh, actually, I'm not sure about this step. And then try to find out and try to uh, explain it a lot better and express yeah. it. 
Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you have a list? So it sounded like you have a list of ideas that you want to write about. You're just not actively writing something. Is there, is there something on that list that like is, is intriguing to you or? Yeah. So it's in front of me right now. I, so the reason I put like, let's actually go back to the topic that you mentioned about picking a niche because yeah. it was, it was something that I was thinking about quite a lot over the last year, specifically a lot of people support it. A lot of people, not so much. And someone like David Prell, he talks a lot about personal monopoly. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Steph Smith talks about it in her book as well. And then someone else like Natalison, he says, actually don't have a niche, mm -hmm. especially early on. So the reason I put that down what was for me to get that clarity as to like, what do I actually care about over time? So I yeah. gave it a couple of months and I put this like main uh, sort of headings of business and startups, technology, philosophy, productivity. And it gave me actually a clarity. I was like, okay, there's like six things that I really care about learning yeah. and or getting better at, or it's kind of that, that intersection of things that you know, or you want to know, and you can contribute. I don't know exactly yeah. what those circles are, but that Venn diagram. So yeah, I think there is, there is a quite a few things here in terms of, I guess, mental models. I want to talk about regret minimization. That's, that's a bit, very broad one. So that's something that I have on the go at the moment. There is one I want to write about. A lot of people have asked me as to, for the newsletter, I actually go through a lot of content every week, but I don't spend a lot of time on it. I do it, mm -hmm. I do it very high level, but it enables me to go through a lot of content by other people and just kind of pick out the best based on my taste. So yeah. I wanted to write a, write a piece about how I do that, that, that process of actually picking the content and going through curating that for the newsletter. Yeah. Um, on that. Yeah. So you, in your newsletter, you say you read a hundred articles every week. Do you really read a hundred articles? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a disclaimer. It's hundred yeah. pieces of content. So okay. for example, this week I listened could be to a tweet. Yeah, exactly. It could be yeah. uh, actually uh, the tweets. I don't, I don't count in that, in that count, but I sat down and I actually, I, at the time when I was doing, when I started the newsletter, it was around 100. But I counted the newsletters, the books, the podcasts, and the articles that, that I read. So, so the do you four keep categories. a tally? Do you keep a tally? Like I don't, go, I don't or... really do that on an, on an ongoing basis. Every once in a while, I go and check it. But last time I checked on Substack only, I'm subscribed to like 70 newsletters. Because there's a view 70? on Substack. Yeah. <laughs> only, only I think one or two are paid. I think there's only one that's paid. The rest are free. <laughs> Okay. You said only 70. I was like, oh, 70. <laughs> <laughs> so the tally is probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, the thing is, I mean, I wish I could go through them. I know the, the effort that the writers are putting into that, but yeah. yeah so no way. Yeah, exactly. So I use, I use a lot of tools that help with that. For example, for newsletters, I use Mailbrew, which could be a topic for another discussion. I think we're going to talk yeah. about this actually as one of our top upcoming topics about the tools that we use. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, so that, that is an example of a piece of writing that I think could be very helpful for people because when I talk to people about it, they're like, mm -hmm. man, you just, this is, this is valuable. Right. And yeah. when I think, so, okay. How do you come up with topics to write about? Think about the things. So this is this is actually, I think, word by word what Steph Smith suggests in her book. Think about the things that you have done above average amount of time doing yeah. compared to the rest of the pack, rest of the population. Right. What have you done and you you done we've done really well that I say go even beyond the average. 90% of people either can't be bothered to do or don't want to do, right. but you actually enjoy doing. So 
I think that's a that's a good thing to to think about. And when I think about that, not a lot of people actually subscribe to that many newsletters, and not a lot of people I know do that and are able to kind of get out the best content from it and share it with other people. So yeah, I think that could be a good avenue to finding topics to write about as well. So going back to your question about finding a creative niche, like where did you land on that? Did you think yeah. it was important to you or not? Because you said you were kind of like weighing that through the yeah. last few months. Yeah. So let's close the loop on that. I think, so I think the decision for me was, I think I called it that I don't want to have a niche. I don't want to be known for this person who writes about stoicism and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or talk, writes about or talks about learning. I think that's cool. I think I see that as a very valid idea. It's nice to have that. And it you, you through that, I mean, as a business too, not as just as an individual creator, you enable others to market you a lot more easily as well. I'm a marketer. I know the value of expressing your value product through like a single proposition. I think that's valuable, but I'm not, in, I'm not there yet. So even on my, on my website that I recently, recently launched, I basically said, these are the topics that I write about. Philosophy, productivity, business, tech. And I, I see a lot of people doing that. And actually, I am interested in those people. I know because the reason is that they're, I mean, if they're interested in that many topics and actually writing about it, they, the chance, chances are they're going to write about it with a lot of interest. I mean, a lot of intent right. as opposed to like, okay, let's force myself to think about everything about stoicism or learning which I think, again, is nice uh, to become a subject matter expert about something very specific. But that's right. where I am right now to answer your question. And I know that's you pointed at it at, in one of your newsletters too, that you're just going to basically do the reps and see where it, where it takes you, right? You're, you don't want to take a decision immediately. I think so. And I think that's uh, part of this whole process is chasing ideas. And mm-hmm. you know, I think once you get to 100, you can look back and say, oh, we're can I visualize these cluster of articles that really resonated with me or resonated with my audience? And I can get feedback from, from both sides and I can look at the ideas and say, Oh, maybe there's a lot of interesting things here that I just haven't explored yet that I found really fun to write about. And so I think having that perspective of looking back and saying, Oh, this is what I should be writing about. I think might become clearer over time. So I think Mm -hmm. the quantity aspect is really to put a hundred ideas out in the world. And then you could say, Oh, these 30 actually were really fun to write about. That's, that's what I want to like, like move towards. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's kind of about just testing things out. So get the reps in and then through that, through that process, understand what was it that you actually enjoyed writing about talking about. And that tells you, so in a way, let the niche find you don't look for the niche. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. And yeah, I mean, the ultimate creative sort of process is like actually doing something with it. It's, it's the output. And so a hundred out of a hundred of anything are a hundred ideas, you know, like we're Mm -hmm. choosing an idea to write about We're we're choosing a topic for this podcast. That's one idea right there. And I think you do a hundred of those creative outputs and you'll have something to kind of swim through and, and figure out, you know, what a little Island of ideas is, is most interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I think one thing that I wanted to touch on as well is as you come up with ideas, a lot of them could sound very obvious to you. I'm very guilty of that yeah. in the way I think. And I have to constantly remind myself not to make that assumption. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times you are proven wrong when you actually share that with someone else that people actually find what you find obvious, very interesting. 
Can you talk more about that? Have you had, had a similar experience? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of my newsletters, even last week, I talked a little bit about meditation and I'm not mm -hmm. by any means an expert in meditation. I really mostly talked about my struggles with it. And, you know, I shared a couple of links and I talked about this eight-year-old who led this small group of children in mindfulness meditation. And I had a few people reach out to me after that, just thanking me for reminding them to meditate and, you know, one, mm -hmm. and a couple of them like got up groggily that morning and actually meditated and two, it was just on the article itself, like people reached out to, you know, just kind of compliment that. And that's something that like is written about millions of times, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's an idea talking about, you know, your practice of meditation, how we struggle with it. Like that's, that's been just buried in the ground over and over. And so, but it was my take on it. It was just yeah. my own experience with that. And I think when you can take an idea that feels talked about and just, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's like hardened in a way and you apply your own perspective to that, that can be interesting. And so that's what I love about writing is that you can make something your own. Yeah. And I think as I was reading that passage as well, I think what was different about that, I and mean, we didn't really touch on this topic and could be its own a podcast episode as well is is the power of a storytelling right because mm -hmm. there's all of those details that you brought up the eight-year-old i even remember the age of that that girl because i mean you kind I of pointed like out three times did you <laughs> okay make... okay there we go i didn't even realize that so i think the the storytelling aspect is very important so even if you're talking about the same topic how you make sure your audience remembers what you've written about is through telling a good story because people remember stories is the show don't tell kind of a piece of advice that Tom yeah. White talks about quite a lot. Yeah, I think that's that's super valuable. It's something I need to get a lot better at because I think to I tend to think really logically and mm -hmm. linearly. Yeah. I I can connect the ideas, but I do them in a very linear fashion. And that could be stemming from my engineering background of thinking about things very like focus in a different frameworks and not so much adding other possibilities coming from different ways at it. But yeah, do you have any tips, I guess, for people writing about topics that others have talked about, but want to add their own touch and feel to it? Yeah, I think I'll just talk specifically about that article, but I, I, I didn't know where I was going to go with it, but I, I knew that I just had to get a draft out. So part of it mm -hmm. is just basing your content on what you know about it, your own domain expertise. And mine in this case is, you know, I think just an amateur at best. And so it was just like thinking, and that story actually happened maybe two years ago. So it wasn't a recent thing. And, but it had been kind of like bubbling in my mind a little bit. And so really just getting out a first draft and a lot of it sounded kind of like where you were going. Like it sounded a little bit too logical. It just sounded like I was trying too hard mm. to describe why you should meditate, you know, and just, that's not important to me. And so I sort of remembered that story happening. And so I had some content down, I had some thoughts written down, but then I remember that story. And, you know, when you're, when you're storytelling, like part of it is, and this sounds just prescribed, but like, the hook is everything. The intro is everything. And if you don't create some interest or intrigue there, you're going to lose the reader. And so, mm -hmm. you know, 
for me, it was trying to paint this picture of this girl standing in a parking lot teaching another set of kids, which I think is kind of a unique sort of thing to visualize. And so that I had decided was my hook into the story. Mm -hmm. And I think it worked and I kept it pretty short, but, you know, really I'm just trying to find ways to combine my own, you know, knowledge as a way, I don't know. I I feel like I'm, I'm usually like a little bit self-deprecating when I write as a way to not sound too, like I'm too pompous or standing on a pedestal. And so those are the things that I think about when I write is just personal experience. Don't try to sound smarter than you are. You know, don't try to use big words, which normally I can't anyways. So that's fine. (laughs) And then just have like a a good, good hook and a good ending, good ending, you know? Yeah. And I think being, being observant is very important as well. Yeah. How do you just walk past that that event and not really pay attention to it? You wouldn't have been able to remember all the details so vividly and then be able to tell a story two years two years later about it. I think as you go and as you as you stay away from your desk and constantly writing and go 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 out. I know Morgan Housel talks about that quite a lot as well. Is most of his writing happens on his phone. He emails himself. Mm-hmm. what he's going to write about as he's taking a lot of walks during the day. I think he did a podcast with David Prell. I mentioned like he goes out for walks four times a day or something. He read, like he doesn't spend a lot of time at his desk. Yeah. And he, as, as the ideas come, he just emails it to himself. That's his like toolkit for writing. And then he just puts them like a Google doc or something and then afterwards. So I think being just observant about your surroundings and just trying to make sense of those as well. I think that that's pretty cool. I actually really love that. And, you know, we could probably spend more time on that, but the idea of using your five senses, that's kind of how mm-hmm. I always keep mm-hmm. it in mind. And when you're out for a walk, like making sure that you're smelling the air and yep. making sure that you're looking at things in detail and listening to what the environment sounds like. And those things can really help craft your writing because it, those are those sensory callbacks that allow you to relive a, you know, a story. I think smell is the, maybe the most impressionable when you're, yep. when you're recalling a story, like if you can remember what it's, what, what something smelled like, that's like a, a true indication of like how powerful that story could be. But going back to Morgan Housel, like I wanted to talk a little bit about going for walks because I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And one tool I've used is otter.ai, which is, you know, it's a voice recording app that allows you to just transcribe things quickly. And mm-hmm. you've used it a bunch, I know, but being able to talk into your phone and then just send that off that without even having to type, I think is actually maybe more effortless than, you know, stopping on the street and typing out your ideas. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea. I think I, I, I think about a year ago, I discovered that in my journaling app to day one, it's an app that I use oh, that yeah. I've been journaling in since 2012 on and off, but more, more regularly uh, for a while. It so actually, yeah, I still use it very actively and it's super nice. It has this new iOS 14 widget that I put on my sort of homepage on my phone and it shows you your entries. I mean, it did it before as well, but now it's in the form of a widget, just shows up in front of you. It's not just a notification. Mm-hmm. So you see all your entries on that day from the previous years and it's oh, that's just cool. so amazing. And so there, it has that voice functionality too. There's when I bring it up. So you can basically, oh, you, can, you can, you can voice journal, you can add a picture. There is no reason not to journal. Even if you don't feel like writing, you can just like do it through other, other mediums. I actually <laughs> used to use day one a lot, but then I, when I switched to Rome, I started doing all my journaling there and I was trying to find a way to import all of my day one entries into Rome. Okay. And I haven't used day one in, in a while, but it's, it was a great app. Love it. Yeah. I, I it's funny. Cause I thought about that as well in terms of bringing everything into, into Rome. 
But then I actually, I felt like it would be nice to have an app that does, ju- does just one thing. I think Rome has is great for journaling and it yeah. provides a lot of ability to link different things together and which day one doesn't. But yeah, I think uh, for now I'm there. I think it's also super nice that you can access it on your phone, upload very quickly. Yeah, I, the picture, I was thinking like about the f- that too. Yeah, I think the photo like upload is brilliant because I for a lot mm-hmm. of the days I would just take a photo and not even journal entry. And it was just yeah. something to remind myself in the moment. And then what's also cool is day one keeps like the weather yep. and everything yep. else. So you have just a lot of data about that day and what that must have felt like, which I think goes back to yes. like having those senses and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. putting yourself back in that moment. Yeah, then a new feature is actually it tells you is there a notification, there's a push notification that tells you you took eight photos today. Do you want to add some of them? Which is yeah. which is super neat. I think yeah, I really respect what they're doing. It's a, it's a super nice app as well. Do you use uh, any other tools for finding topics and gathering them outside of Rome Research? I mean, the one thing we haven't talked about is mapping, and I this is like a new thing to me. Like I've used tools to mind map in the past, like Scapel and mm-hmm. MindNode, but as a way to, like, I even use a whiteboard now to do some of that mind mapping, but as a way to like think through taking a, taking a topic and thinking through yeah. like what ideas are branching out from this, that's been mm-hmm. really helpful for me to like explore new, new ways of generating ideas. That's, that's probably one. How about yourself? Nothing outside of like the sort of the database I have in, inside of Rome. I started using this other tool called Craft, which is super nicely done. So I'm just testing it. It's fr- it's a free tool. You can pay for it if you go above us around a number of blocks. C R A F T. I've been testing. It's it's a nice experience to write in it. It's like, like I said, super well built. So it's it reminds me of Bear, another note taking tool. Okay. So I'm kind of deciding between those two for quickly capturing ideas because Rome doesn't offer that. I mean, you can definitely do that as well through the uh, quick capture function that you can add to your phone as a shortcut. But yeah, there's, I, I mean, I have this thing about enjoying what I'm writing as well. So that environment, the, sort of the whole light and dark mode, I, I really enjoy with, with craft and the ability to customize things with the fonts and just adds to that experience of writing. But to be honest, like we said with Morgan Hazel, if you really want to write and writing is your main thing, it doesn't really matter where you do it. I just wanted to, like, I think tools are enablers, not sometimes they end up being blockers because you're just thinking about more about what tool am I going to choose as opposed to like doing the actual thing, which is I've been guilty of in the past and trying to not, not get into that uh, pattern. But some tools are just too good that you can't help like craft. <laughs> that's actually another article I'm, I'm thinking about right now is how design gets in the way of our mm. productivity and i think right. i love that know, topic my my and it sort of came from this idea of why i like rome so much and i didn't want mm-hmm. it to be another tool-based article but the yeah. idea that rome is so just bare bones just early bare bones minimalistic whatever you want to call it but it's rough around the edges for sure and yeah you have a tools like notion or craft that are really beautiful. And yeah, I've, I kind of prefer, even as a designer, I prefer like just the, the bare bones aesthetic. It yeah. doesn't get in my way and it doesn't make me feel like I've got a, you know, well, Marie Poland who talks a lot about, you know, creating beautiful notion experiences. Like that just takes away, I think from my own productivity, because I'm worrying too much about like how things should look and how they should be organized. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that could be an interesting topic. Maybe even before or after. Maybe even before you write that article, we could talk about it too. So it yeah. gives you more more ideas potentially for your article. But I would love to read that. That's that's super. That's super interesting. And yeah, yeah, I would I would love to talk more about that. Cool. Awesome. Well. <laughs> I I had a bunch of bullet points in front of me and I think we've covered them all but it this has been good we managed to stay on topic kind of went off in tangents occasionally but this was yeah. fun it was a good experiment yeah. yeah I think it was too I think the only thing that we didn't really talk about that was on my list was just Twitter as a way to mm -hmm. you know stimulate ideas because I think Twitter What's great about Twitter is it's not just one idea. You have conversation threads of people who are offering other ideas around a topic, which right. I've found really useful just in terms of like how I think about just learning about something there, you know, whether it's tweet storms that go in depth on topics or questions put out by, you know, you know, popular accounts who get a lot of traction and get a lot of like conversational threads going. I think that's super beneficial, but yeah, I, you know what, I, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awesome. I think in depth. I think that's a that's a you're right. That's a that's a very good place because you 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 often don't see just one side of the story or the opinion or the the topic, but you also hear a lot of opposing views mm -hmm. or yeah, people stating people who haven't necessarily written about it, just talking about their opinions uh, on yeah. that topic on that thread. So I think that's a, that's a really cool place to find ideas as well. So we are hoping to do this weekly and, you know, I, I think our first guest is a, is a few weeks out, but yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun, Reza. Yeah. I really enjoyed kind of, it as well. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad we decided to go with this approach. I mean, there were moments that I think we were just, we wanted to talk about other topics, but we, we came back yeah. to our, to our main topic of writing when, yeah, let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, excited about our guests too. I think that should add a new dimension to our, to our conversations. Yeah. And I also just, I hope you like the new intro and also the yep. new artwork, which is actually not done in this moment, which I'm <laughs> forcing myself to get done, but also a quick shout out to Paul LeCrone who helped out with that. I think that was, we've been working with him over the past couple of weeks and it's been really fun to kind yeah. of bounce ideas back and forth. So um, absolutely. Thanks, Paul. He's been a star. Awesome. Thanks for listening. See ya. <laughs>